Brother Nate Hill is speaking on the feet of God. Thanks, brother. All right. <clears throat> Again, it's good to be here. And I want to thank the church and her pastor for all the uh, extra special things that you've done to make my stay as enjoyable <clears throat> as uh, it could be. And we've had a wonderful time. And we thank the Lord for this church. And we've known uh, your pastor, Brother Joey, for a long time. Long enough that I call him Joey still. And we're real proud of him. I don't think that'll go to his head. But uh, we're real proud of him. And... We think the world of him, and we just love him and his family, and we're just excited to see how the church here has been blessed and grown spiritually, and uh, we just thank the Lord for you and you all, and uh, look forward to seeing you continue to grow in the things of the Lord. Um, turn briefly to Job 22. <clears throat> this is not dealing specifically with the feet of Jesus, but really the overall uh, subject of the conference. Um, and then I'll get to it. It'll just take a second. Job 22:21. And I just want to read this verse here. And there's a there's a purpose behind this. And brother Christ preached here on the hands of God and there's so much more to be preached on every single subject that was dealt with and there's more uh, if you pardon the expression there's more body parts of God to be dealt with and then as was dealt with in some things as like the the hands of God you could deal with the fingers of God you could deal with, the, as the eyes of God were dealt with, you could deal with the sight of God. Yeah. The, you know, God sees things. He sees things differently than we see. But I want you to notice what is said here in the book of Job. It says in Job 22, 21, it says, Acquaint now thyself with him. Get to know him. Well, that's what we've been doing. We've been getting to know the Lord in ways maybe you hadn't thought about him before. Or maybe you've forgotten about or maybe it's just kind of passively looked at before. And then it says, and be at peace. 
Be at peace. There's a, there is an application to everything that has been taught here this weekend. Be at peace. Okay? You that are lost are not at peace with God. So you need to acquaint yourself with him and you need to be at peace with him through Jesus Christ our Lord. You that are saved, you need to become more acquainted with him and then be at peace with him. Have that peace that passeth understanding with all that's going on in the world. Well, we can talk the talk, but we need to walk the walk. That's right. And then it says, Thereby good shall come unto thee. So there's a twofold, there's an application. First of all, acquaint yourself, and that's your job. Notice, acquaint now thyself. Right now, acquaint thyself. You have to acquaint yourself or thyself with him. Nobody's going to do it for you. You're going to leave here this afternoon. You're going to leave here tomorrow. Whenever you're going to leave here with it. And or you're going to hold on to it. How many times you leave a Bible conference and the cares of this life or the deceitfulness of riches or whatever and there goes the word of God that was preached. And you're going to what? You're going to miss out on being at peace. You're going to be robbed of peace. And thereby good shall come unto thee and you're going to miss out on good coming to you. So that's what you're we're gonna lose. That's what's at stake. So I'm gonna encourage you in that. That's what is that's that's the whole in my opinion, that's what all of these things really are about is acquainting ourselves with the Lord. And then there's this application of it to get to these wonderful things. Peace and goodness. He said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Well, here's how they follow. By acquainting ourselves with him. All right. Now Luke 24. Somebody... One fellow said, well, I'm sorry I took up your time. Well, my time starts when I get in the pulpit. That's right, brother. I just, I learned that years ago. All right, Luke 24, and I want to begin reading here at verse 36. Again, as was stated, my subject is the feet of Jesus. Verse 36 of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace 
be unto you. And we're the standing in the midst of them is his church. That's who he's standing in the midst of here. Verse 37, but they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And, you know, we don't, we're not terrified and affrighted when we assemble as the Lord's church. Maybe we ought to be. If we really thought the Lord Jesus was standing in our midst. You know, it was mentioned about, you know, the picture given unto us of the Lord in Revelation. If that person, if he was really here, we would be terrified and affrighted, wouldn't we? That's right. The one that was depicted there in Revelation 2 and 3. We come in lollygagging, joking around, hem-hawing around a lot of times, don't we? Not really ready to worship him in spirit and in truth, not prepared. These here, he came into their midst, they're terrified and frightened. Verse 38, and he said unto them, why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. I just want to stop reading there. It's there in uh, verse 39 that we take our text. Behold my hands and my feet, and our, our interest is on behold my feet. The word behold means to take notice of, to examine, to look at, and to observe. And so we draw our attention to the feet of the Lord and what they suggest. The feet of the Lord suggest many things unto us. And we're going to examine some scriptures as we behold the feet of our wonderful Lord and Savior. Can you imagine here one of the things that we, as we see here, is the Lord in his resurrected body in proof that it was him that he shows unto his church is his feet. 
as well as his hands. And it, he revealed that unto them. And these are some of the things, these are just uh, marks on his body, even in its resurrected state, that will ever remain. As my father said, these will be the only man-made things in heaven. Are these marks on the body of our Lord and Savior? Isn't that something? Ever there to remind us of the price paid for our eternal salvation. I'd like you to observe in the 22nd Psalm and... Those of you who are students of the Bible are familiar. This is a trilogy of Psalms, the 22nd, 23rd, and the 24th. The 22nd is a psalm of the good shepherd who layeth his life down for the sheep. This is him. And this is a wonderful picture of Christ on the tree of the cross. It begins here with David. It's one of those messianic psalms where he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And in the 16th verse, we have the Bible and the reference here. And it says, For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. And then it states, They pierced my hands and my feet. And I'd like you to observe, first of all, that the feet of Jesus, the feet of our Lord, suggest the horrific suffering of our Savior. They suggest all of the cruelty that our Lord went through in order that you and I might be saved by the wonderful and matchless grace of our Lord and Savior. When we behold the feet of Jesus, we are brought to the reality of the sinfulness of man on many different ways. One of them, as we see here in this 16th verse, is they pierced my hands and my feet. How horrific that he who is the Son of God, he who is without sins, yet as uh, Peter put it, ye with wicked hands did crucify and slay. And that's what is depicted here. The nail prints, where they drove the nails through his feet and crucified him, murdering him. All the horror. And this is such a horrific death. I don't know if you've ever studied out what it is of a crucifixion. It is a horrific death. And there's nothing more cruel than a crucifixion, humanly speaking. And the Bible, the word where it says, and they, they crucified him, 
That word does not do it justice, does it? But the feet of Jesus display the wickedness, the cruelty, the hatred of what man and their despisement of God. Because remember, he is God incarnate in the flesh. And so they couldn't, if you would, they couldn't get at God, but they got at the God-man only because it was permitted, only because it was at the uh, determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. And so the Lord here, it describes here his suffering at the cruel hands of God-haters. And if you remember, according to scriptures, the Bible tells us that he was forsaken. You know, there wasn't anybody that stood with the Lord, was there? He was forsaken by every one of his disciples. Even, Even betrayed by one of them. Sold by one of them. But it also shows the great suffering, not only that of the suffering at the hands of wicked men and the cruelty of those who despise the Lord, but it shows and displays the severity of the penalty of our sins. The piercings of his hands and and feet as we deal with them was from when he was crucified. Turn over, if you would, in the Bible to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 21. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 21. You see, these piercings were the marks from when he was crucified. And scriptures declare unto us that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth upon a tree. I want to read to you here in Deuteronomy 21, verse 22 and 23. It says here, And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be to be uh, and he be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. You see, the Lord was a curse of God. This shows us and this displays 
the severity of the penalty of sin of which Christ undertook that you and I might be delivered from the penalty of our own sins. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we're taught that Christ's sufferings were not mere, merely physical sufferings, but that these marks in his feet were due to him being accursed of God. And that this accursing of God was not due to his own sins, because scriptures declare him to be without sin. But rather, his being accursed of God was due to my sins. That's right. Does not scripture say in Isaiah 53 and verse 6 that the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all? Yeah. And so we beseech that sinners and saints we would behold the feet of Jesus suffering in our stead. That's what they speak of. They suggest suffering. But not only so, if you would observe in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. It's amazing all the things that can be uh, found in the feet of Christ. And you know, it's probably true in different things, I'm sure. There's, uh, when you do an examination of something, there's many things that you can behold. Telltale signs. When you behold someone, something, you can look at it. And uh, I was explaining to some of the brethren different things when uh, you just go through a, a HVAC equipment, the heating, ventilation, air conditioning. Just things that you can tell just by a simple uh, inspection. Don't even really have to open up the unit. And I'm sure in all your trades, the same is true. And so... There's a lot of things that can be told simply by looking at the feet of Christ. I'd like you to look here in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And I want to read, and here we find that the feet of Jesus are suggestive of mercy. They're suggestive of mercy. Verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him, that is the Lord Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears 
and had wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. Verse 41, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said, and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Now here we find abundant mercy at the feet of Jesus, don't we? Now this woman, this woman rather, she was a sinner. And if you notice here in uh, the words that we find used when it tells us this in verse 37, and we also find in verse uh, 39, when it says uh, this woman is a sinner and uh, for she is a sinner, the word sinner is used in the sense that she was unchaste. Essentially, she was a harlot. She was a whore. She was a prostitute or a, a loose woman, if you would. That's what she was. And the Pharisee uh, looked down upon her. That's what they did. That's what Pharisees do. That's what they still do. They look down on people. They judge. And they have no room for mercy. Absolutely not. They only have room for condemnation. God forbid we should be such a people. See, not everybody's going to be like you. Not everybody sat under the same preaching you have. Not everybody sat under preaching, period. A lot of people never heard the Word of God. How are you going to condemn them? Besides, they're already condemned. They need mercy, yeah. they need compassion, yeah. they need gospel. They're already condemned. 
They might celebrate some holiday. They might do something else. They might not wear the clothes that they ought to wear. They need gospel. They need the gospel. Yeah. And that's why God had your path cross with theirs. The gospel. Amen. And so here is Christ. And this woman, she was a sinner. And at the preaching of the gospel, she had evidently heard the gospel somewhere. I mean, that's who the gospel's to, not to religious people, but to sinners. Yeah. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, right? Yeah. He didn't come to call that who are righteous to repentance. They have no need of repentance. And evidently, she had come under the preaching of the gospel, and the Spirit of God had convinced her of her sinful condition, and she comes seeking mercy, and she would find it at the feet of Jesus. You know where she didn't find it? At the Pharisees' table. You know where they don't find it? At a lot of churches. You know where you don't find mercy? You won't find it in the ordinances of the Lord's church of churches of the Lord's churches. There's no mercy in ordinances. There's no mercy in church membership. There's no mercy in the law. It's only in Christ. And as a people who've been forgiven, we ought to be full of mercy. I doesn't mean we can't educate them. The Lord told us after that, after they're saved, they're to be taught to observe all things whatsoever the Lord's commanded after they're baptized. That's when they're teachable, isn't it, aren't they? But this woman, she would find mercy. You see, sinners are unable to pay a sin debt. We have no ability, no desire to pay that sin debt. And the Lord, in tender mercy, forgives our debts in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. And we find this there in the feet of Jesus is spoken of. Look, if you would, in Matthew 15. Matthew chapter 15. Thirdly, what do we find the feet of Jesus speak of? Well, I believe they also speak of power. I believe they speak of power. Matthew chapter 15. Want to read verse 30 and 31? 
The Bible says, Matthew 15, 30, And great multitudes came unto him, that is the Lord Jesus, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. You see, the feet of Jesus speak of power. Divine healing power. That's our privilege as missionary Baptists is to bring sinners unto the feet of Jesus. That's all we have to do. Isn't that what the Bible tells you? I mean, we're fishers of men. He that winneth souls is wise. We're to bring them unto the Lord. I mean, it's already been referenced how that there were those who took a man who was of the palsy and they went up onto the rooftop and ripped the roof open and lowered a man down so that he could be healed by the Lord. Well, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of work. It's a wonderful work. It's an eternal rewarding work. It's a rejoicing work. It's a work that has to be done in the power and in the might of the Lord. Some of you brethren have said all the work you've done, what you've done, all the trades you learned in your work, the things that you've done, and all the years you've done it for, day in and day out. I've known some brethren that I never missed a day of work. Brother Gale worked for 30 plus years at the United States Post Office, was a postmaster, traveled all over the country for the post office. When he retired, you know what they did? They sent his stuff home in a cardboard box with the janitor. They don't care. They don't care. I know because I was the janitor. This work, this work matters. They brought these here. And all of these who are signified here of uh, the, the lame, the blind, the dumb, the maimed, and many others, all these are, are signifying those who are sinners. Now, I don't know 
If you've ever tried to carry somebody who's dead weight, it ain't easy. We have a member of our church. Uh, he's got Parkinson's, and he was on the floor. And when I had two hands, I was asked to come over and help get him up off the floor. And he's in his 90s. And I said, okay, I'll be over in just a minute. I got over there, and I went to pick him up, and he's dead weight. He's, he's a small man. He's not tall. He's not big. But he also put a death grip onto the door frame. And it took everything I had, and I had to pry his hands off of the door frame while holding him up and put him in his wheelchair. These here were taking the lame. And you think about all these others with their infirmities that they had and bringing them to the feet of Jesus. It takes effort. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to just hand them a track and, oh, they're going to be saved tomorrow. They're not a Kellogg's Pop-Tart that you get to pop into the toaster oven and it's ready in three minutes. They are blind. They are deceived by the devil. Deceived by sin. And the first time they hear the gospel, they will most likely reject it. Just like you did. But there is power at the feet of Christ. So keep bringing them to it. All manner of diseases, all manner of issues, all kinds of sinners cast down at the feet of Jesus. Look at that, cast down. Isn't that the language that is used here? And it tells her, and cast, cast them down at the feet of Jesus. I mean, they get them there and they cast it down. They didn't lay him down gently, did they? Because they were exhausted when they got there and they didn't have the niceties that people do today in so-called gospel evangelism. You have compassion. That's fine. That's good. But they had to be cast down at the feet of Jesus. Jesus, they had to be abased, as our brother already mentioned. Amen. <clears throat> There's nothing lower than the feet, is there? 
But these had to be cast down or abased at the feet. Our next point, Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. The feet of Jesus suggests great beauty. Great beauty. Isaiah 52 and verse 7. The feet of Jesus suggest great beauty. Let us read Isaiah 52 and verse 7. It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. When we look upon the feet of Jesus, we see beauty. At Mount Sinai, we saw, or we know the law was declared, the righteousness of God and the requirements of the Lord. But at Calvary, we have the good tidings, the good news, the gospel of our purchased redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? The feet of Jesus published peace and brought good tidings of good and published salvation in the Sermon on the Mount. At Calvary it declared it. And one day he shall descend to the earth, and his very feet shall touch down upon the Mount of Olives, and we shall reign with him for a thousand years. Now I skipped a whole lot of in between there. So don't go thinking I'm something that I'm not. But what glad tidings the feet of Jesus speak of salvation in the fullest. His feet publish peace. But not just any peace, an extraordinary peace. A peace between God and man. And his feet, as we read here in Isaiah 52 and verse 7, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. You know, you and I ought to have beautiful feet too. Isn't that what Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 10? Let's turn over there and read that. 
Romans chapter 10. Christ set the example. He came publishing good tidings. He came publishing peace. He came publishing salvation. And now you and I, he sent us forth publishing the very same. I'm afraid some of our feet aren't very beautiful. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And there Paul's referencing our very text, or our very uh, scripture we read there in Isaiah 52. Paul's writing there in reference unto those who are, and not just a missionary, but everyone who's saved That's right. ought to be a missionary. Yeah. Every church member ought to be a missionary. That's right. You got children and grandchildren, yep. great-grandchildren, neighbors yep. who are without Christ, friends and acquaintances. Yep. We need to know the Lord Jesus. Last of all, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 8, Hebrews 2 and verse 8. The feet of Jesus suggest, or one of the things that the feet of Jesus suggest is that he's victorious. He is victorious. In Hebrews 2 and verse 8, it says... <clears throat> Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. That's true, isn't it? We don't see all things put under him. We see the heathen raging right now, don't we? That's what we see. Just like I said the other night, in reference to the government shall be upon his shoulders, I said everything's going according to plan. That's right. Exactly as God said it would be. So what are you worried about? We need to be busy about our Father's business. His business is not the United States of America. It is the gospel. That's right. But I want you to observe here 
He said, now we see not yet all things put under him. We know God's in control. It's already been uh, preached upon. Time and again. But there's going to come a day when that's realized and when it's lived out, when we see it. He said right now, but now we see not yet all things put under him. There's going to come a day when now we see all things put under him. When we don't have to believe it. When we don't have to say, well, I know God's sovereign, but, or, well, but God's in control. I know God's in control. We're not going to have to qualify things. Because we're going to see it. The feet of the Lord speak of victory. King of kings, Lord of lords. This word subjection here as it's used in Hebrews 2.8 means to subordinate, to obey, to be obedient. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. God will subordinate or he will make to be all, all things will be made to be in obedience under his feet. Those who opposed him will bend the knee and confess with the tongue. See, it's not going to be like Acts chapter 2 when Peter said, Now, you, you crucified him with wicked hands, but, and you were guilty of murder. But you're also doing that which he had determined. It's not going to be that. He's going to crush it. There's not going to be any anything contrary to his word. It's not going to be any open rebellion. There's not going to be anything that's unrighteous. It's all going to be subdued. It's just going to be just perfect. And there's a lot of things now that violate my sense of righteousness, but my sense of righteousness and God's sense of righteousness ain't always the same. That's right. 
But think about this. Satan, the Antichrist, false prophet, are going to bend the knee and confess to the glory of God that Jesus is Lord. The Pope, the heads of states, our own government, the UN, World Economic Forum, all these are going to bend the knee and confess with the mouth. That's unimaginable right now, isn't it? Outside of what God's Word says. But that's what his feet of. It speaks of this victory that all things are going to be put in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. He left nothing. Now, if you're here and you're without Christ, one day you're going to be put under him. It'd be best if you bent the knee now. If you'd fall prostrate now and cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If you'd fall at his feet as dead now, if you came as that woman seeking mercy now, then if he put you under his feet in that day, it'll be far better. If you'd come unto Christ today, while it is called today, in the day of salvation, than if you do it in that day. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. While it is called today. Brother. As he was closing, Senator, I'd like to, I'd like to, you to hear something out of Revelation chapter 19. While the the feet of God are the most pleasant place one could ever find themselves for mercy, as he said. Outside of mercy, the feet of God is the most terrifying place a person could be. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule with them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. With his feet. As the brother said, I'd encourage you to repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Find salvation in He and He alone. Be saved according to His mercies.